out of all the movies I was watching, there were certain movies that just delivered on a promise. Like, and I think this is the art of pure entertainment where it's like, look, if it's a thriller, thrill me, like thrill me. Like, that's what I want. You know, if it's a comedy, make me laugh, like, like do what you're supposed to do. And I feel like people sometimes get caught up in, uh, you know, creativity where they go, Oh, it needs to, it needs to look like this and be like that and whatever. And it's like, you know, yeah, those are all nice things. But first and foremost, just deliver on the promise. This is Way of the Artist with Brandon Colby Cook and Evan Schulte. Identifying your blocks and demystifying your struggles so that you can claim your own path and make your life a work of art. It's that time, that podcast time. <laughs> all right. All right, all right, all right. Well, welcome, everybody. Uh, today we are talking about something I think it'll be a, kind of fun, the art of pure entertainment. So this idea kind of came about because we're like, you know, let's talk about movies. Let's just relax. Let's, uh, you know. And then we were like, wait a minute. Let's talk about maybe like popcorn movies and like, you know, these kind of almost even like guilty pleasure movies where it's like, or shows or whatever, you know, things that, things that are just fun and, you know, they're not high art. They're not necessarily, sometimes they have those artistic elements to it, but that's not really what it's about. It's kind of silly. It's just fun. It's entertaining. You like it. Maybe you don't even know why you like it. These kind of things. I think mm -hmm. uh, that's what we're going to get into. I don't know. What do you got to add to that, Evan? Anything? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, and and art is one of those funny, funny words with this. I remember our, our old acting teacher, Ted, when we had him on the podcast, he brought up like this old, this sort of joke, ha ha type of joke about art. It's like, well, why is that art? And it's like, because it's on the wall and I said so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's like, you know, and I think that's something I'm excited about this conversation is because I, I do think that there is, there, there really is an art to to something that you might call pure entertainment. You know, that's not necessarily meant to dive deep into the human condition, yet at the same time, it speaks to something deep within the human condition because, you know, like a certain aspect of, of us that just um, relishes in delight. You know, that I, to me, that's what I kind of think of with this thing. It's like this just, just pure human delight, like watching fireworks. And there would definitely be an art form to, to creating a great fireworks display for sure. But there's this ooh and ah that we can just be hit with. And I think for me, that's, a, that's a big part of what that pure entertainment thing is. You don't have to... You don't have to have a degree in something to appreciate something, enjoy something. You can just, you can just take it at face value and, and it feels great. So that's how I'm, I'm looking at this. Yeah, totally. I think about something we were talking about. I don't know if it was the last podcast or the podcast before or something like that, but we're talking about the magic of, of a movie and like how, sometimes they bring you to a world where it's larger than life, but it still feels grounded. 
And I was referencing something like Wolf on Wall Street, which I wasn't I wouldn't necessarily say is just pure entertainment, although I find it extremely entertaining, that movie. Mm-hmm. Um there's one sequence in the movie, which I mean, look, if you haven't seen it, I don't think this really ruins anything, but it's a great moment in the story where he gets into he he basically they do this drug called ludes, which basically makes your body like semi-paralyzed and it's it's kind of like whatever it was a big thing at the time and he gets into his fancy sports car where he's crawling he can barely get in and he's like i don't know how i got home and he's like i got home and then finally we see the car later and you think he got home fine and you realize that he was just smashing into everything on the way back and it was it was funny because it was like experiential but i think there's a certain amount of like entertainment doesn't have to necessarily it doesn't even have to be that creative it just has to be fun like another movie i'll just reference uh kind of getting into it is a movie that i found hilarious in the theaters the first time not not as much the second but the first time i saw it because i saw it twice because i had to see it again just to see like what happened but the first time i saw it it was probably the loudest theater i've ever been in like people were (laughs) laughing and talking and it was just hilarious. It was like hanging out with like 80 friends watching a movie that was so ridiculous and everybody was just just howling. And and uh, he's like, I'm tired of these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was so and like they had a they had um this band which had a really funny music video too. And it just I don't know, like to me that was like totally popcorn entertainment, but it was done in a way where it was like, yeah, it's like snakes on a plane is so ridiculous, but there's something about it where it's like, when you know it's ridiculous, everybody's like, okay, it's going to be ridiculous. And we know what we're getting into. You're totally open to it. And in that way, it's, it's like masterful. The second time I saw in the theater, the, the interesting thing I found about that particular experience was that the crowd was not as into it in the Mm -hmm. second viewing. And I realized that there's something about audience participation in the art of the art of entertainment. Like if people are there to have a good time, then, and they're open to it, then it can change the experience because the second time I saw it, the movie, the same movie, but different crowd, it wasn't as good because the crowd wasn't into it as much, but with the crowd being into it the first time I saw it, I was like, this is one of the most incredible movie experiences I've ever had. This is so fun. Um, so, I mean, you know, is there consistency there? No, but I do think that there's something about, you know, the art of entertainment is getting people to show up to whatever you're doing with the right preconceived notion, right? That this is going to mm-hmm. be ridiculous. We're going to have a lot of fun sit back, relax, have some popcorn and let's just go for this ride. You know what I mean? And if people yeah, are yeah. doing that, it's great. But if people are like, why is this movie so good? You know? And that I think that the second viewing was like people who their friends told them, you got to go see this movie. And then they were like sitting there like cross-armed, like this isn't so good. <laughs> it's yeah. like, well, you're not, you're taking it too seriously. Like that's, yeah. it isn't good. That's why like, it's not good. That's what makes it good. You know, like, I think there's something about that. So yeah, for sure. That that intentionally, I love that you 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 brought in <laughs> snakes on a plane for this. I was actually just thinking about that movie the other day. 
I oh, probably really? haven't yeah. thought. I probably haven't thought of that movie. I, I can't even remember the last time I thought about that movie, but actually just a few days back, I was thinking about it. I was talking to my wife. I don't know why, how it happened, but I just said, you know, that line, that line that you just said, I am sick of these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane. <laughs> I was like, that's, I was like, what a perfect line. Like to me, it's one of the most perfect lines in a movie ever that I've that I've ever seen because it's so ridiculous because yeah. the whole movie's ridiculous and because of who said it like it just it was just this perfect it's this perfect moment of insanity unfolding on screen mm-hmm. <laughs> and and yeah and it is it's it's one of those things of pure entertainment you know like it's yeah. just it comes together and there's something really beautiful about that uh, a couple of movies that that come to mind for me with with things like that i mentioned to you before was cloverfield like that was and i don't know why i felt compelled to see it in theater but i did went and saw it with a buddy of mine and it was one of the best times i ever had at a movie it was a good crowd and it was it was just this for one it's like an interesting like kind of found footage style movie but it was it's a monster movie you know it's like a big monsters tearing up the city and it was just this ride like it just that for me that's what the movie was it was just this this roller coaster ride that uh that shocked me surprised me you know gave me some some jumps kept me on the edge of my seat but was never was never like it wasn't scary or anything like that but it was it was just like this fun house of a movie that that delivered so so much and i think that there was something about how they they decided to do it. And actually when you look at it, it's pretty good cast in that movie. When, when you see it, like it's, it's, um, and I can't even think of, of the names of the actors now, but, but I went like, Oh yeah, yeah. I, I forgot that they were in that movie and they were in that movie too. And that person was in this movie. You, the, the way that they, the fact that they chose to do it as, as like a found footage, someone was just recording this on a camcorder not on their phones because <laughs> that was still the time <laughs> yeah but on a, someone was just recording it on on like a camcorder but it was that you you felt like you were right there right and and one of the things that the movie did so well was that it kept things very mysterious Going on. Like there was so much that you didn't know. You don't know how this happened. You don't know why this has happened, but it's just happening. And you're, and it put puts you as an audience member in the same position as the characters where they, you like, you feel like, you know, about as much as they do <laughs> because you're both just seeing the same things at the same time in real time with them. And and they also did that great, beautiful trick of you don't see the monster. Like they only give you little glimpses of it here and there. 
but you never really see it for most of the movie. So it's, it's, which is amazing, Mm -hmm. you know, when you consider so many of the monster movies that you see now. And and as you know, Brandon, I'm a, a bit of a sucker for monster movies, although some of them are pretty horrendous. But there's just something about about a monster movie that that I can't I can't help myself with because when they're done well, I think that they're they're so entertaining and and for me I think Cloverfield for me there's Cloverfield and there's Pacific Rim are are like two modern monster masterpieces for me and they're just pure entertainment. Well, I think so. There's. I mean, so just talk about the art of it all, right? Like, I think, the, you know, it, it's not always appreciated. Something that I really have begun to appreciate over the last year has been movies that deliver on the promise. And I've really begun to appreciate that a lot more because I don't know, like there's so much video on demand content out there to watch. You can just watch movies and watch movies and watch movies. And when I was young, and I wanted to be a filmmaker, what I used to do is I used to go and rent DVDs and I would, they had a deal. Like you could rent something like, I don't know what it was. It was like six or seven DVDs for like a really low price. If you just got a whole bunch of them and I used to Mm -hmm. do it double, I used to get double whatever it was. So it was either 12 or it was 14. And I would just pick movies. I would go through, I'd go, okay, this is this week I'm watching this. And I would watch two to three movies a day. And my whole idea of doing this was like, I'm going to watch so many movies like back to back to back that like, I'm going to just understand everything, shots, structure, everything. And it really worked. And I started Mm. to know that it was working because after a few weeks of doing this, I started to see everything like a filmmaker, just everything was a shot. I just started to see it. Right. So it was a really great experience, Mm. but um, you know, something I've recently kind of touched back into in the last, at least the later part of last year was I was like, yeah, I'm going to crush a bunch of movies. I'm just going to do this again. But it wasn't for the same reasons. It was more for, you know, I want to reconnect with my, like, my movie roots and all of that stuff and, you know, how I got into being an artist. And as I was watching these movies, I was like, you know what I appreciate this time is some movies deliver and some movies don't. And there's these movies where I'll click on them. We're like, oh, let's try this thing out. Because once you start, like, if you start watching enough movies, you run out of stuff to watch. You you run out of all the main stuff that everybody talks about. You get through that pretty quick. And then it's, then you start, you start searching. And then you're like, you're reaching for stuff that people, like, no one knows about. But it's cool because you get these really cool finds and you can tell everyone about them. Like, how do you find this movie? You're like, <laughs> uh, I don't know. You know, but like, <laughs> anyway, I started to realize that out of all the movies I was watching, there were certain movies that just delivered on a promise. Like, and I think this is the art of pure entertainment where it's like, look, if it's a thriller, thrill me, like thrill me. Like, that's what I want. You know, if it's a comedy, make me laugh, like, like do what you're supposed to do. And I feel like people sometimes get caught up in, uh, you know, creativity where they go, Oh, it needs to, it needs to look like this and be like that and whatever. And it's like, you know, yeah, those are all nice things. But first and foremost, just deliver on the promise. You know what I mean? Like I think if I bought something from like Amazon and I wanted to get something and it was supposed to do something for me and it was maybe a cooking utensil, it better do what it's supposed to do in the kitchen if that's what I bought. You know what I mean? Whatever the thing is. I feel like the art of pure entertainment is about the the pure word 
it's like do what you said you're gonna do you mm-hmm. know what i mean like if it's a comedy you make me laugh snakes on a plane i expected to laugh and i expected some action and i got it you know what who's to complain and you know what they did it in a way where it was beyond what i expected it would be at least at the time that i saw it, it might be ridiculous now but like at the time it was novel it was interesting in its own way and it was kind of fun you know what i mean and so it delivered mm-hmm. and i feel like there's something about this conversation which is just like you know we were talking about uh cloverfield it's a monster movie and they did they delivered they did the right things they made the monster mysterious they you know they they kind of gave you the experience that you kind of were hoping for and maybe more and it really isn't that what it is though it's like i got what i wanted but i got more than what i wanted and that makes me really happy yeah i think that you're you're right on with this with delivering on the expectation i think is is really essential for that pure entertainment whatever you want to call it that manifestation of pure entertainment is is that it's very much concerned with meeting people's expectations although i suppose on some level someone who's going out to see some indie drama it has a certain expectation of something there too but there's a there is a i think with certain types of movies in particular there's you can go into it saying i i have no idea what to expect from this you know there's certain types of genres and movies particularly more so i would say in in the dramatic realm you know the 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 ones that are the the ones that you expect to see at the awards shows and stuff like that there's maybe a bit more of an expectation of expect the unexpected to a certain extent where it's okay anything can happen there's there's a little bit more chances being taken potentially there's there's maybe some some ways of storytelling that are going to be a little bit outside of the box potentially not always but i think that there's that element whereas with something that you're just trying to entertain people just trying to deliver something that's fun and and light but but still satisfies that just that that delight impulse it is very mindful of the expectation that of mm-hmm. of the the audience member it's like okay we need to we need to 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 make sure we hit all of these things right and we need to work towards hitting all of these things and then if you can and then if you can give a little something that i'm not quite expecting on top mm-hmm. of it you know just a little something mm-hmm. then it it i think yeah. it pushes it over the top right it pushes it over it, it, it because if you just meet the expectations you can still make a, a a real solid movie and people go it's like yeah yeah i remember that yeah it was good i and and that's sort of the the end of it but if you just put in that little unexpected element and this was something that occurs that occurred to me which is that there's an element of creativity that I want to see 
right? Like there is, uh, this is part of a, a weird balancing act, I think. And there's, because yeah. there is an element that that little chunk of unexpected is actually so important. It's like the salt. It's like the seasoning that you put on your food, right? If you... Yeah, otherwise it's too bland. Yeah, totally. Yeah, otherwise it's too bland, but other but if you do too much, it's just like, woof, that, that it's just overpowering. Yeah, but if yeah. You, if you just season it with a little something, right? And that's that unexpected flavor. That element of creativity. So, what I mean by that is, you know, I'm not a huge horror movie person, but there's a weird thing with horror movies where you want to see particularly in something like a slasher we'll get more specific like a slasher you know just super violent kind of kind of flick you want to see creativity in how people die mhm right yeah. like you like you or a zombie movie you want to see zombies getting killed in really in ways that you haven't seen before or to get the people in ways that they didn't you you never seen done before yes you know? exactly right and yeah. that's why i think there's like a something like saw right was such a was, was such an interesting thing because like oh here's this weird concept that enabled people to get killed and maimed and whatever in so many bizarre ways. And it's like, Oh, I haven't seen anything quite like that, but you're still giving me the horror. You're still giving me the scare. You're still giving, you know, you're, you're playing with all of these things that I expected to get, but you're, you're giving me uh, a new way of delivering it. You've, mm -hmm. you've given me a device in which you're, you can do something a little bit different that I haven't quite seen before. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something that comes up for me with all of this too, is when the business of art gets too, too much of a foot in, like it just, it gets its hands in there too much. It can mess everything up because then it's like, oh, I know we got the formula. This is, you know, this is the way to make money. And then it, the things that were maybe good on the first one, like they start to fail in sequels and things like that, because the formula becomes too predictable and it becomes almost manipulated. And I feel like as, as audience members, maybe some people catch, will put up with it longer or catch up to it slower, but people just start to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like it's been done. You know what I mean? Like, and this is that, that, that novel quality you're talking about, that kind of a little bit of creative, uh, something that keeps you on your toes just a little bit, makes it a little bit new. That's such an important element. It doesn't have to be a lot. But it just mm -hmm. needs to be a little. And there's a couple of movies that I think of too. And, um, you know, maybe this is a little bit off topic, but I don't want to forget it because I keep thinking, circle back to this, Brandon, circle back. Um, <laughs> so two movies that I think were popcorn entertainment intended, but ended up being little kind of comedic masterpieces. Uh, and they were from our generation. One is American Pie, <laughs> which... Yeah. was not, I don't think was like supposed to be as big of a deal as they thought it was going to be, but it's, yeah. it is a classic man. That movie is going to last like, 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 like I heard someone talking about, it. I heard in an interview, it could have been Joe Rogan. I don't know where it was, but it was like the, the guy like fucks a pie. You know what I mean? Like think about it. Like it's so crazy. It's so out there, but especially at the time, like, especially at the time it was like such a, that was such a, risky kind of like big thing to do mm -hmm. but it it took on like the teen sex drive and all of that stuff in a way that was like super 
super fun and big and grand, but all these characters in a way for somehow they all felt kind of grounded, like in a, in a Mm -hmm. way there was something about them all that we kind of had seen or could relate to. They were larger than life and no one was really like real as they were. Right. But like it had this quality and like, I mean, they, I think even the sequels did quite well with that, with that series. But um, that was a big one. And another one was a huge one. The se- the sequels didn't do as well by far. But the first one was a big one was uh, Van Wilder, which was oh, yeah. another like super entertaining and super gross. When you like watch the movie and you see some of the stuff that happens, <laughs> it's yeah. so gross. But like it was a hit and it was it was kind of, I don't know. It had a quality of like that college experience that was just, yeah, you know. <laughs> Sorry, you just like you you said when you we said Van Wilder and like really gross. Like the, the the, I think the scene that you're thinking of just popped into my into the my dog. Bra- yeah, yeah, the yeah. dog, and the, the donuts, the cake, that, the fire. Yeah, donuts. Yeah, it's I, they're like donuts. donuts. Yeah, and oh, I just, yeah, I, oh, I, brutal. I just, dry heaved a little bit. But to like, but that's here. the thing though. It gave you. <laughs> it gave everybody an, an emotional reaction you know Mm -hmm. what i mean and that's and and i think there's something about that like there's something even about like a cringe when it's done right where people like oh but they love it in a way like we love it because you're like you got under our skin with it and you got and you hit something that's like it just it it provokes you it makes you feel something but it's not like I don't know, like in a weird way with the uh, with Van Wilder, as gross as that whole part is, in a weird way with the context of the story and the narrative and everything that's going on, you kind of buy it in that world. Like it doesn't feel like somehow out of place. Like in some way in that world, it. You know what I mean? But like in a more serious tone movie, something like that would be absolutely disgusting. Like, you know what I mean? Like, whereas in the tone and the style and the feel of this, somehow it's acceptable. You know, I don't, I don't know if acceptable is the right word, but like you accept it in the movie context. Like, it's like, you know what I mean? But like, these are like, this to me is, is, is it's artful because you're, you're meeting the movie at where it's at. Like you're, you're, you're living within the realm that you created and you're not you're not coloring outside the lines you you made the picture and you're filling out the picture in full but right to the line not over the line but right Mm. to the line and that's like a fine like there's a fine art to that you know yeah i would say that there's probably some scenes in both of those movies that are probably over the line today <laughs> at Probably. the time at the time they weren't uh, yeah now, yeah no they, yeah now well, that's a, i think that's, that there would yeah. be but that I, was, yeah, I mean you can't you can't make a piece of art for the future knowing how people are gonna no, be no right? no like no, you, you have to you can't you know like i mean people were probably way more like politically incorrect and there's lots of things that we did when you know in past generations that wouldn't be okay or acceptable today but like for sure you know, but I, I, I look at past art, you know, just while we're on this topic real quick, I look at past art when people are saying or doing things that aren't really acceptable today as I go like, how interesting, what a cool, interesting document of history as to like where we've come, where some people mm-hmm. look at it and go, oh my God, I can't believe they said that. Like, who gives a shit, man? That's where people were at. Look at where you are now. Like, appreciate the fact that we've grown beyond that. How cool. 
don't like sit around and bitch and moan and like suck about the past. You know what I mean? Like, so what, you know, that's how it was. This is how it is. We're growing. We're evolving. We're always going to get better. Like, I really don't like it when people drag up the past and like yeah. knock a piece of art. Cause it's like, Oh, like it has these qualities to it that are not acceptable today. That's a good thing. If you don't like yeah. that those qualities were there, just celebrate that. Don't, don't be a little whiny bitch about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that, that's <laughs> that. Yeah. And that's, that's life, right? We it's hope life, that right? We... You're going to, we're going to improve. We're going to grow. Anyway, mm-hmm. I just had to say that because like, man, like maybe this is our generation a little bit, but like our generation, like we didn't complain about shit. Like that's one thing I like about, the, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe there was things in our generation that were totally politically incorrect. But one thing we didn't do was bitch and moan about stuff. And I'm not saying everybody does it, but like, I know there's lots of people today who are 20 and they're like, fuck my peers like whine all the time. Mm -hmm. It's like, stop whining. Like everybody can be a victim. You know what I mean? Anyway, I'm going on a a different thing. (laughs) No. And and I mean, the the thing with, with, especially with comedy. Yeah. Right. and especially comedy, especially comedy, because I was telling you before, like I, I was just, I was just consuming a ton of interviews that uh, Louis C.K. did uh, on on a bunch of different podcasts, and and whatever you think of of Louis, I think he's an amazing comedian, and someone who understands comedy at such a at such a deep level and one of the the core of something that kept on coming up was they saying the thing about comedy is that comedy is completely about saying things that you're not supposed to say Mm -hmm. like it's it's there's this agreement he's like when you step into that room that in this space we're going to we're going to talk about a lot of things that you're not supposed to talk about that's the agreement right like yeah i'm not out in the world you know outside of this room we yeah like there's a we don't go into those things but in here we are we're going to mm-hmm. do it we're going to get a little uncomfortable and 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 we're going to be a little bit offensive and offended you know and and that's okay right that's that's the nature of it so i think that you can apply some of that to to something like a movie as well in in the comedy in the comedy world because i i was just thinking about american pie because when i first saw american pie yeah that was another one of those movies that at the time i think i was i think i was 14 years old when when the first one came out and it was it was like a movie that that just spoke to to me and to so many of my my peers at the time particularly men like i i'm not gonna deny that that's a the the main characters are four guys Mm -hmm. right five i guess you could say because you throw stifler in there as well um but it, it it is certainly speaking more to the male teenage experience and there's nothing wrong with that right I think of like the one somewhat cringeworthy scene I, that I think that's in that movie is is the is the scene where they webcam uh, Nadia 
in yeah. in Jim's room because that's like, ooh, yeah, that's that's really Oh yeah. Like now that's yeah. really bad. That like that that but, scene though, so like it it's you can recognize it now, it's like, yeah, the the whole what they were doing is completely wrong. And there was I think the issue with that is that there's almost no consequence. I won't say that there was no consequence because the thing is, is that this whole thing that was set up that was really super exploitive and 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 disgusting behavior turns turns into this thing where Jim now has become a part of it <laughs> and now he's involved with his own exploitation and he actually is the one who comes out with the most egg on his face from that scene and that's the thing that I think gets lost in critiques about American Pie now is that mm -hmm. like, yeah but you understand like these the the horrifying disgusting toxic male behavior that's going on in that movie is being portrayed as such mm -hmm. because when you look at what happens to them all at the end of it is they they actually recognize that they're being a bunch of assholes you know like they there there was something about how they were doing things that made them jerks in in their obsession with sex and losing their virginity and stuff but the thing is is that that conversation about especially at that time about losing your virginity as a guy before you graduated from high school man that was that that that's a that's a big conversation at, at the time at least you know it was, mm -hmm. it was a very big thing and and a, and the whole movie is just set up around these guys deciding to support each other and help each other in losing each other in losing their virginities before they graduate like that's that's the whole movie yeah right that's the whole <laughs> that's the whole movie but man was it funny man was yeah. it good and 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 relatable uh at least at least on my end of things well i think you know there's something about this that you bring up because <clears throat> you honestly you're bringing up some really good points and and i honestly haven't seen that movie in a long time so you know I'm not going to sit here and defend and say like, oh, you know, like, every, like, cause there's things that you're bringing up. I'm like, oh yeah, like that shit. I forgot about that. That's yeah. That's it's, it's funny because like, I think what was, what was known and what was in the, the mainstream consciousness about what's out there and what's happening and how the world is, was not as present. Like you got to remember, like back then we didn't have a phone in our pocket. And we didn't just scroll TikTok and and Instagram and and Twitter. We didn't do that. So mm -hmm. we didn't get like we didn't get all these news stories. We didn't find out what was happening. And so like for a lot of people that are you know uh, of our age, like this is a lot of that stuff's new. And it's like oh shit, like I didn't realize what was happening out there in the world because it's not in your consciousness. You just don't know it exists, right? And now I think people are more sensitive today because we're more aware of other people's struggles. Now there's things that like, if you're not a, let's just say like a dark hearted person, you're not going to think necessarily of some of the dark hearted stuff that happens out there in the world. And, you know, for someone who, for example, like, let, like, let me just bring this down. Cause we're talking about entertainment, but I did go a little deep here and I just want to kind of navigate that quickly. For someone who's out there who maybe they had an experience like that and it it was bad. You know what I mean? Like somehow mm -hmm. they got caught up in something like that and it was not done, you know, 
it's not a comedy because it's real life and you know they dealt with it and they might be thinking like well this movie really um aggravates that wound you got to remember like with with certain things that are done in comedy they're they're not they're not like they weren't necessarily done with the awareness and sometimes comedy can bring things to light that make us all see and go you know what maybe this isn't so good whereas like today you know you wouldn't necessarily you wouldn't make that but um you can kind of like i think you have to remove a certain amount of your personal wounds from the comedy that you're willing to in, take in because comedy is going to vate like when i hear a female comedian sometimes talk about men and sometimes it annoys me you know what i mean i'm just like <laughs> some of the things i'm like some of it's true and some of it's bullshit and some of it's their perspective and some of it's inappropriate in my opinion to even say that and some of it's very like arrogant but like I can appreciate the fact that that's their set and that's their comedy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to get bent about it, but if I notice something happening in me, I might look at it and go like, okay, like, you know what? It's not for me, but I think that we need to be able to appreciate certain things. Like I remember one other thing I'm just going to say, I remember seeing bridesmaids in the theaters and I saw with a bunch of friends and there was one guy he was sitting next to me and he was just sitting there and he was just like, we're all laughing and howling and think it's hilarious. And he was just bent out of shape the whole time because he didn't like to think of women as having sex lives and being promiscuous or <laughs> having like, he just, he just upset him. Yeah. And it's like, you know, the thing is, is like, in some ways, women never had a voice in theater in comedy. And so, you know, Especially in the future, comedy. right. And and raunchy comedy, which like is what we're talking about with American Pie and and Van Wilder and Bridesmaids, is raunchy comedy. That's what it is. Raunchy comedy that's acceptable today might be very weird tomorrow. Mm -hmm. There might be a day where people look back at a movie like Bridesmaids and they go like, "Oh, like women were so gross back then," or "How could they do it like that?" You know what I mean? But like, who knows? Who knows what we're gonna see in the future? Or, you know you just never know. Right. So I think the thing is, is like with, um, with entertainment, you, you got to let go a little bit about your concerns about what might happen in the future. And you got to be true to the moment you're in and the time you're in and just have an honest expression about that. And I, I would say like with, uh, Van Wilder and um, American pie, well, we're just talking about that. And this is the last thing I'll say is that if you're going to get like men, who are like teenagers to watch a movie, you can't come at them and say, Hey, like you can't have a sex drive and the way you think about women is not okay. You have to come at them where they're at. Cause if that's how they're thinking about it, and it's this very like crude kind of like, you know, bro element, maybe your movie can lead them to a better place, but you got to kind of meet the audience where they're at. Otherwise they won't watch your movie. Like that's, that's something else. Like with raunchy comedy, you kind of have to meet people at their sex drive, which by the way, most people's sex drive, when you really find out, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, like you're opening a whole new can of worms there. Well, especially, especially at that, that yeah. age and time, you know, raging hormones is mm -hmm. a, is a, is a real thing, is a very real thing. And yeah, with comedy, you, you, you push it, you push it to the limits, right? You, you've, 
you've got to dare to do some of those things, right? And you might, it it might miss on some people and it might not age amazingly, but I think that there's, you can still appreciate what, what the goal was, you know, what the, which was really just like, oh, I wanted to just do something outrageous, like something outrageous and totally, totally fucked up and totally whatever. And, and, and take it at that. It's an interesting little, little. It's interesting. Yeah. It's, you know, honestly, that we, that we I'll say down. this, Evan, that's territory that, that we just ventured into that. Like, it feels like now that we've talked about it, I'm like, holy shit, there's a lot of landmines. Like, it's just like, <laughs> like you think about it, it's like, I understand why people get sensitive about comedy and how things that don't age well. Like, I'm just thinking about it as we're talking about it. I know this isn't really the conversation, but like, I understand how you can look back because in, in hindsight, maybe things that people found acceptable at the time, which you think is absolutely not acceptable today. Um, I think you have to kind of remember that like the awareness and intent is not always what it's not there. It, like there wasn't as much awareness and the intent was like with that, with if you had awareness, you could you could maybe see see the intent as like, oh, you know, so you shouldn't do it. But people sometimes do things, and they're unaware, and because they're unaware, their intent is rather innocent. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, but I do understand actually now that we've kind of covered this, where when I look at some of these older things, is just kind of recognizing that yeah, like there are certain things that maybe are not so acceptable today that, cause it's a long time since I seen that movie, you know, yeah, and I just yeah. brought it up out of nowhere and I'm like, and now we're talking about, it, I'm like, Oh shit, man, this is like, <laughs> this is like a weird thing to be talking about. Like, you know what I mean? When you really think about it seriously. But the point is, is this conversation is about like, it made people laugh. It got a lot of people to the theater it did what it was supposed to do. It delivered. And those other comedies that played it safe, they didn't. That's mm-hmm. the thing to remember. Those things no one even knows about. And they will not be mentioned in this podcast or many others because no one even knows they exist because they weren't funny enough and they weren't risky enough. But um, but movies like that, that might be controversial today, they were risky at the time. And that's probably why they're remembered because they actually did something that that were noteworthy that makes them come up like 20 years later, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I, I have seen American pie many times. It's been a few years since I've, I've, I've watched it again, but you're talking about it again. makes me think, Oh, I should go back and, <laughs> and watch it again. Revisit, revisit, revisit American pie one and two. I, they the, the sequel was, was, I, I thought a very worthy, a very worthy successor to the, to the first one. I remember the the guy who wrote it uh his whole thing was was that he was inspired by Porky's which was from the 70s and he wrote it because he's like whatever happened to movies like that and he's like I haven't seen a movie like that in such a long time and it was really him paying homage to a very specific kind of genre of of comedy that had had all but disappeared up to that point and and brought it back there was 
Brandon, maybe you can remember I, the name of this author because it's eluding me right now. The author who wrote American Psycho, Less Than Zero. Yeah, hold on. Tip of my tongue. <laughs> um, tip of my like tongue. Th- oh, man. It's like a three-part name or something. I feel Easton like. Ellis. Brian Easton Ellis? Brian Easton Ellis. There it is. Yeah, that is, yeah. Thank you. We did it. I saw a recent interview that he did, and he was talking about this this sort of culture today versus where it was at when he was younger and writing some of the things that he was writing. He's a Gen Xer, if I'm if if I'm remembering correctly. But he said he's like my generation. He said like we wanted to be offended. Yeah, <laughs> like we wanted someone to offend us. Right, like we were actually looking for it, seeking it out, and and in a way celebrating that. So you know, sometimes there's these interesting cultural things that that you come up through that informs that kind of stuff as well. I think it's an ebb and a flow. I honestly think that it goes it, it goes one way and comes back the other because yeah, if if people start getting too sensitive, and they you know, what will end up happening is there will be inevitably people that are sick of being protected from hearing. Cause like what happens is if, if you keep going like, no, no, we can't say this. We can't say that. We can't say whatever. Eventually given enough time, people go, I want to hear them say that shit now. Well, and so because, like, yeah. Yeah. It's like the big red button, right? Right. It's like, it's like, don't push the big don't push red the button. button. Well, yeah. guess what? There, there's going to be a bunch of people who are going to say, like, I don't know, I'm going to push it. And, everyone's gonna there's gonna be a, this reaction of thank you for pushing the big red button because yeah. i didn't want to be the one to push the big red button <laughs> but i wanted somebody to push the big red button hey everybody this is evan and this episode is brought to you by my book yes i recently released a book called the actor's awakening connecting spirituality to craft expand yourself as an actor and your craft through a spiritual perspective Take a journey that will explore universal philosophies and insights to help you understand human nature in a profound way and develop practices to take your work to another level. Again, that's The Actor's Awakening, Connecting Spirituality to Craft, available on Kindle and paperback on Amazon. And as always, if you like the show, please subscribe. So I think that that's... And it's a risk, right? It's a risk, but then there's reward, right? Like... Because sometimes you push the big red button and it's not the right time and you pay for it. And then other times you push the big red button and you're the hero to everybody. Yeah, well, I mean, you go, the the, the taboos, When once you start going into the taboos, it it really, there's there's something about that that I think is is so important. And like you said, there's there's ebbs and flows to to all of these things. I wanted to come back, circle back a little bit on something. I'm glad that we uh, we we dove down into this. I wanted to circle back around to that whole element of bringing bringing a little something different, a little something novel to to the expected thing, and touch on a movie that that was mentioned, but. I didn't dive into and I wanted to, or I wanted to just talk about to a certain extent Pacific Rim, Mm. which I know you haven't seen, but it's, 
it's a, a modern day kind of monster movie. It's it's a it's a giant robots and giant monsters movie that Guillermo del Toro did, and when it came out, like there was what was novel about it was the fact that it had been a long time since. I don't know if I've actually ever seen a movie that was like giant robots and monsters. Like it's such an old concept that came out of, you know, Japanese cinema and stuff like that. And the only other place where you'd see stuff like that was usually in anime, right? Like animated stuff and and there was a certain style to it. And what was so in, interesting to me and was an element that I know a lot of people talked about in terms of what was so enjoyable about it was that in these in these you know very crazy action sequences where you've got these robots and these and these monsters fighting each other one of the cool things about it was that there was a sense of weight to to the 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 robots and the creatures themselves because they're giant right mm -hmm. and they weren't just like moving rapidly like like a, a transformer for example like if you think of transformers like those robots are like you know they're just they move so quickly like they're like they're made out of plastic right but these things moved like they were they were heavy and there was something that that brought to those sequences when there would, they would land a strike and it was like it, it it felt like it had impact and and there was something so satisfying about that as an audience member and i think that the movie also did other things like it was intentionally campy like it played into the fact that it didn't take itself seriously. It knew it was doing. And I think that that was what the sequel forgot about. You know, like they kept some of those elements of like the weight and all of that stuff, but they, I think that they forgot how campy the, the original movie was because it started to seem like they were trying to make it make it more of like a, a real thing. Like they were trying to make it more serious somehow. And I was just like, no, this is dumb. You know, like mm -hmm. it just, it, it, it actually was weird in them trying to make it more serious. It made it dumb. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, what you guys need to do was make it dumb. <laughs> you yeah. needed to make it dumber and then it would have been better. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, there's, a, there's also something about, um, <clears throat> you know, this is, this is, something that I've learned as a filmmaker just in the, in the industry is like you, you don't make every film. Well, I mean, it depends. I mean, it depends what you're, you're doing. It depends what your career is, but like not every film is made for the same reasons. And I think like, you know, there's, I don't like, I, I've been thinking about this actually a lot recently, just with all, all mediums of art, like, you know, you talk about like Daniel Day-Lewis as like your champion actor, right? Like, but Daniel Day-Lewis to like model his career would be very, very hard to do. <laughs> Almost impossible, maybe impossible. <laughs> because really in the, in the industry of acting, there's, that's not really what they're looking for 
that's not really what people are looking for when they're looking for an actor most of the time, at least not the people who are kind of have the big money behind the projects. Like that's not there, there, there's this kind of, um, there's this business to entertainment, right? Where it's, there's a lot of money invested, particularly with film. There's a lot of money invested and they need to make their money back. Otherwise everybody takes a loss and it's a bad investment and no more films get made at least from that production company or those producers or whatever. Right. So there's a, uh, a thing that artists I think don't really understand. And this was something I was very unaware of when I started in my film career was why producers tend to be so conservative in what they do and why they're risk averse in, and like a lot of artists are like, why don't they just make these types of movies or like, why don't they do this or whatever? And it's like, it's it's not that they don't want to it's that they it's real money for them and at the end of the day if they don't make their money back they don't get to make any more movies and it might almost sink them and everything they want in their life mm-hmm. so while you're talking about like how you want to make great art the producer might be talking about how they want to make money but they don't want to just make money some of them maybe but like it's not just to make money for the sake of making money. It's sometimes like, I want to make a great movie, but I also want to make a movie that I know I'll make my money back and make more because I want to make more movies. And this is what I want to do with my life. So Mm. um, I think that there's something about pure entertainment, which is really good for artists and producers where they can kind of find a nice middle ground to communicate because it's like, we need to make this sell. We need to make this entertainment we need to make this deliver. But at the same time, like, what is the art of that? Because maybe mm-hmm. we can appreciate that as artists a little bit. Uh, you know, like I've been an indie filmmaker for most of my life. I've, I've, you know, I've made like a, like, I don't know, like comparatively probably low budget to like very low budget to anybody who's really big in the industry. But I've, I've dealt with like a hundred grand and, and made stuff. And like, it's a fair amount of money for me, but like, when you're dealing with anything like that level or lower, you kind of get creative freedom. You can kind of do whatever you want. I mean, the risk is low. Um, you know, it's, but when you're talking about millions, like tens of millions, and then maybe even hundreds of millions, the risk becomes so high. And so many people are involved Mm -hmm. that, you know, there's a, there is a reason why it's conservative in the approach and why they, you know, business people try to use formulas which artists always go like and myself included go oh don't do the formula you're gonna fuck it up but they're like but the formula feels safe and i think something that's kind of coming up for me at least in the film world for this conversation is like where you you find a balance between making a choice as a producer to make a movie but at the same time finding the art in your conservatism, you know, in your conservative choice, in your safe, like, I want to make sure this works. And I think it it really comes back to the initial concept we're talking about is like, does it deliver? And you talk about Pacific Rim and granted, I haven't seen it or the sequel, but when you talk about the sequel, the sequel ring, I just, this bell kind of goes off in my brain of like, ah, they probably went to the, they went to the safe formula. They tried to go, this is what we did that worked. Let's go back to that. And they missed something. They missed a key element, which was like, it was campy. And like, 
if you mix miss that ingredient, the sequel falls apart because it wasn't the formula. It was this like special ingredient, right? Like the special quality. And I think yeah. sometimes when we play it safe, we we we're not factoring in like what is it about this that made people feel something? Not just like like what looks like it worked, but what actually worked, like what felt like it worked. Cause that's a, uh, by the way, I'll say one other thing, Evan, I know I'm talking a lot here. No, Snakes on a good. train. <laughs> Fucking no one knows about it. <laughs> they made a snakes on a train. Yeah. It's a sequel to snakes on a oh plane. My God. So, but same idea, man, it missed something. It just, it just, it, it just misses something. You know what I mean? Like, it's, and the, to, it's what I'm talking about. Yeah, and to a certain extent, I feel like something something like that is... I, I almost want to say that that's almost impossible to do a sequel to something like that because the whole thing is like, the, you know, that that's a one-hit wonder. Yeah. You know, snake like snakes on a on a moving vehicle, you know, as a, as the premise for an entire movie, like that's like come on, like the the novelty, the novelty you were hit with that the first time around. I won't say yeah, I gotta, never. I have but... to disagree though. I have to disagree cuz like Sharknado <laughs> which is ridiculous and I've never seen it, but I've I've heard the producers talk and and all of that about it. But like, uh, and I've been there in in the meetings, like at least at AFM when they were talking about it and all of that stuff. And I heard them kind of share a bit of their story. But like Sharknado, I'm pretty sure they made more of those and they did well. But the thing is, is Sharknado is absolutely ridiculous, like beyond ridiculous. Yeah. It's sharks in a tornado. Like it's so, it's so ludicrous that in a way it works because it doesn't make sense at all. And some for some reason, people are like, it's so crazy, I have to see it. Like it's not a yeah. little crazy, it's a lot crazy. You know what I mean? And I think mm. there's something about like this is this is the realm of the ridiculous, right? It's like yeah, where we're almost like if you make it more ridiculous than is even acceptable, for some reason it works. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if you don't make it ridiculous enough, it feels too safe. And then it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like same old, same old thing, you know? But like if you saw Sharks and Shark Sharknado 2, or I which I believe they made. <laughs> I, I'm pretty like, sure. What they is made going on? Number. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but for some reason, like Sharknado made a massive amount of money. And like I'm pretty sure that the sequel, uh, I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure it made a bunch too. But what's funny is that like that wasn't enough. Like Sharks in a Tornado once wasn't enough. Like you had to see another one. Like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> there's something about it, like there's a quality there. There's something. I don't even know if I know what it is, but I'm I'm saying that that's definitely a part of this conversation. I don't know if I have the authority to speak on it, but it's definitely a part of what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like it it fits into that whole that whole idea of it does what it, it does what you're not supposed to do, and it does yeah, it yeah, yeah. it does and it does, it does what it you're intentionally. Not yeah, you know, and it does it knowingly, intentionally. It's just like yeah, I know this is totally stupid, and the the dialogue is probably super uh, campy and cheesy and stupid, but and and it's all stupid, but there's something about sitting there and watching something that is aware of that, that is playing into it, that is using that as 
part of the entertainment of it. Where at a certain point, you just, as an audience member, you just start laughing. And you just and, and just having a great time because you're like, oh, okay, all right, I get it, I get it. Like just just throw throw all of these ideas out right now that I normally walk around with, and just take this on. I think that that's an, a big part of that too. Is is a lot of these things allow us to just throw out our conventions of how we look at things and think about things. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that there's something that's super entertaining about, about that when, when someone can really tap into that whole thing. It's like the audience, um, you know, the, the, it's giving the audience a break from the, from the typical. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a yeah. big, big part of it as well. You know, what's coming up as I'm thinking about it is it's when you take things too serious, you can't sometimes enjoy something like, you know, I don't know, like you like monster movies and you've talked about that a bit. And I'm like, there's something about if you take a monster movie too serious, it's not going to be fun. Mm -hmm. You kind of have to like, be like, yeah, like it's a fucking monster walking through the city. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, let's like let realism kind of, you know, just take a little bit of a nap. Cause like, you know what I mean? Like you can make it real, but like, but like there was some of this stuff you have to let go of your seriousness about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like that's, you know, and, and I don't know if like when you're creating art, if you have to disarm people to some degree with their seriousness because maybe they come to it wanting to let go of their seriousness or being open to let go of their seriousness but i do feel like when we're talking about entertainment i mean and and i can think of many scenarios where when you take things too serious you somehow undermine what you're being given you know what i mean like what you're being presented with and i think there's a certain amount of like if a movie, like when it's campy, like that, that word to me, a campy movie knows that it's not to be taken serious. And in a way it, it helps you, it, it brings that to light. It makes itself campy in its presentation. So you go, Oh yeah, like this isn't taking itself too seriously. And so I know not to either. And so because of that, I'm going to play along with the ridiculousness of where this goes. You know what I mean? Whereas if something is really serious and then all of a sudden it does something that like breaks reality or it's, you're like, what? That's not believable, but you were taking it serious because you were in like grounded reality. Right. And I feel like there's, um, there's this, like, I don't even know how it's done. I'm not entirely sure in this moment, but like there's something about pure entertainment, which is that, it presents you with a kind of level of seriousness that I think you should approach it with. Cause if you approach it with too much seriousness, you're not going to enjoy certain things. Whereas other things like, you know, maybe you can appreciate that, but with like, with a lot of things like kill bill, for example, I don't know, you need to, you need to let go a little bit. You can't, you can't look at that like reservoir dogs which is like a very grounded kind of movie yeah. like kill bill has groundedness in its own way but not in 
samurais and shit, man. Like it's yeah, it's so much different. You know what I mean? Like there's a quality uh to entertainment which is like we need to like for it to work, it needs to appropriately disarm your seriousness, I think. For sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kill no, I was just saying I was just saying you gotta be thinking about Quentin Tarantino and Kill Bill and 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 but I was also thinking of uh Grindhouse. Yeah, Grindhouse. That, That's a good example. Grindhouse, Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino, that double feature movie that they they put out Planet Terror. Well, it didn't do well in the box office, Death right? No, it did terribly. It did terribly. Which is but... interesting because like you would think that like for when I when, for okay, sorry, I'm going to just cut you off for a sec. Grindhouse um, the Rodriguez one, for some reason, I remember when I walked away from the theater experience, I, I enjoyed that one more, but I knew to like, take it less serious. Whereas the T- Tarantino one, which I don't I'm not sure if I even like more or, or not now, but like, um, I feel like it was just as goofy, but it had, but I took it more serious. And that's why I didn't like enjoy it as much on first viewing because yeah. those movies, if you just kind of go like, let's sit back and watch some fun kind of, you know, B movie movies that are purposely designed this way, you're going to have fun. But if you go in with like, I'm going to watch a Tarantino movie, like I'm going to watch this like Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs. Like if you come in like that, you're not going to have probably as good of an experience because mm-hmm. that's not really how those are meant to be consumed. Right. Yeah. And I, I feel like I remember that was i heard some critiques around around that between the two movies because that was an argument people made like which one was better planet terror or death proof and a lot of people thought that rodriguez understood the assignment better to a certain right. degree it's like you're doing a grindhouse style picture like just campy cheesy over the top kind of uh kind of flick that you would catch in an old drive-in theater late at night or on TV late at night, you know, once upon a time. But it's hard to say, like, just in my personal opinion on it, it's hard to say which one which one fits more into it because Tarantino's is, I think, is equally that kind of movie as well but you know there it was like a different subgenre you know like they were both a part of the 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 big genre of of grindhouse b movie but they were each almost occupying a different subgenre of it mm-hmm. but they i think that they both were ridiculous like there's no way that you don't look at these at, at either of those movies as being totally totally ridiculous with over the top characters and and all of that. I think that it's it's Tarantino's was maybe a bit more subtle, I suppose, but it was still there. It was still there where it's like Rodriguez's hat like everything was right on its sleeve, right? It was right on its sleeve, but when you when you really look at at what Tarantino did with Death Proof, it's it's not really hiding anything either it's like you know you've got a psychopath stunt driver who's killing women you know on the road right like it's 
it's it's totally crazy like but and he kills them by crashing into them you know putting his own life in danger and <laughs> like it's just it's it's totally nuts it's a totally nuts concept that 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 premise alone can't be anything but that genre mm-hmm. you know what i mean like it's it's it it doesn't really that doesn't really exist in any other kind of genre so Anyhow, that's just a personal diatribe <laughs> on that whole thing. Well, let's um, you know, like we've been going for a bit. Let's kind of talk yeah, about yeah. like, so what what is this like the art of, the art of pure entertainment? Like, what well, like, I don't know. Maybe we can start to kind of like dial this in because I feel like we covered a few interesting topics, give you interesting areas around all of this, but like, not necessarily to wrap it up per se, but what is what's kind of coming up for you as far as like what is this art of pure entertainment like what is what are we what are we kind of finding i i would come back to what you were saying earlier i i think it has a lot to do with knowing knowing what it is that you're doing like the exact thing that you're doing and and knowing the expectations of your audience, right? And saying, I'm going to fully meet that. I'm going to fully meet all of those things that you're looking for. And I'm just going to throw a little spice into it. I'm going to throw a little bit of my personal spice into this thing. And I think that that's where there's that room for that little hit of creativity, you know, that originality, right? Where it's, you know, it's it's almost like if we were talking about something that's like really going for something very original and and artistic and things like that. The thing is like and this is something I've I've heard lots of people discuss before where there's always this balance when it comes to art. There's always this balance of the familiar and the novel because you need to have both elements because if you're if everything that you're doing is so completely novel your chances are we're not going to be able to follow it we're not going to be able to understand what you're doing it's not going to be coherent we're not, like it's just too it's just too weird and too out there in in what it's doing that as an audience like it it essentially pushes us out it doesn't it doesn't allow us to get into it and understand it Mm-hmm. So you need to have some familiarity, but if you don't have anything novel about it, if there's nothing, if there's nothing new and original about it, it's dull. Mm-hmm. It's boring. We want, uh, so I think it's kind of the sliding scale <laughs> that exists in this, in this whole space. And I think that the art of, of pure entertainment is that it hits us at a high ratio of familiar. I, I think it hits us at a high, high ratio of familiar, but it, it, the art is in how you are, are integrating and, and spicing it up with those creative elements of the novel. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that that's the pure and because there's so much that's familiar about it and familiar in all the right ways 
familiar in the ways that we love. Like familiar in the in all of the ways that we love. I'm like, yes, give me all of that stuff. And then she's like, oh, cool. I love how you did that to all mm-hmm. of those things that I love. You didn't change the things that I loved, right? Like you didn't, you didn't, you didn't remove them or you didn't um, not, not satisfy or meet them. You just, you just gave them to me in a way that I wasn't quite expecting, or you gave some of them to me in a way that I wasn't expecting. And I think that that's where the, that, that art of pure entertainment comes in, but it has to have, I think that high familiarity because then it allows me to just, it allows me to just take it in. Right. Mm-hmm. It allows me to just just take it at, at almost at face value. Right. Like I can just I can just watch it. I don't have to think hard about it. But you've given me just a little bit enough to keep me engaged. Because mm-hmm. if it's too familiar, I'm not engaged anymore. That's think, yeah. that's 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 my <laughs> I'm not gonna have anything for closing comments now because I just I, I feel like I've expressed it as best as I can possibly express it. Well, I think you could, you know, maybe closing comments, just suggest where people could go with it, like in their own life. But I'm going to say that I agree with your summary. I, I I feel like you really, you really hit the nail on the head. It's high ratio of familiarity. I think, I feel like that's such an important element in this, not to be overlooked because there needs to be a certain amount of, I recognize this, I'm comfortable. I know what I'm, I know what I'm doing. It, it's like, it's familiar. I've been here before. This is not like, I don't have to pay such close attention just to keep up. Like I can keep up because I kind of recognize it. And like, I've noticed that a lot with say uh, horror movies or thriller movies, for example, where it's like, okay, I know I'm in this tone of a movie and like, it's giving me that mysterious um, kind of experience that, you know, that wonder that like, Oh, what's going to happen, you know, or that foreboding sense, you know, it's giving me that. And so now that that is being established and maintained, and I'm familiar with that feeling and that presentation, then you can begin to venture out into the novel because you've grounded me in the familiar. And I feel like as we're talking about this pure entertainment, there is a, you know, that's one of those things with art where I think it often gets overlooked is familiar and common. They're like things in art where people almost look down upon, right? Like, it's like, oh, like that's been done before, but it's like, yeah, yeah. But, but like probably 75 to 95% of it needs to be have done before. Because like, that's kind of like necessary. And what we're looking for is that little pinch of salt, that little that little bit that's going to take me a little bit, you know, and it's just enough to give it a bit of a different experience. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, cause if it's too new, if it's too novel, I have to pay such close attention to keep up. And I think with certain genres, like I think sometimes with the indie drama, they flourish under that type of world to some degree, but I would even argue that their land of familiar is actually a lot more common than you'd think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, but I think it's they, they, you know, there are certain things that it's important because they fulfill different things, right? They fulfill right. different, different desires, different, different needs. The indie drama is supposed to fulfill the need of more novel, 
Right. Right. It's supposed to give me a little bit of some more of, of what's uncommon. Right. Right. Because when I choose to watch something like that, I'm, I'm coming in ready for that. Right. Right. Like going back to what you're saying about expectation, I'm coming in sure, yeah, yeah, ready yeah. and prepared for that. It's like, okay, I'm actually here ready to engage with this, uh, where I have to pay a bit more attention to what's going on. I'm, I'm ready for that. But the, the pure entertainment thing, like that's a whole, you know, that's a, a different mood altogether. Right. Right. That's a completely different mood altogether. It's like, oh, you know, it's like Friday night, like it is right now. <laughs> and I just want to like get the popcorn and sit on the couch and, and just be, just be entertained. I just want to laugh. I just want to, you know, get my heart rate up. I just want to, you know, watch some great action or whatever the hell it is that you is, is your, is your thing. Right. But that's they're Yeah. They're, they're for different things for different people at different times, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. And I, I think that when we're, we're talking about this pure entertainment, we are talking more about the realm of, I want to be, I want, a delivery of an experience. I'm hoping for laughter, thrill, whatever, something. And that on a, on a very foundational level needs to be delivered. So if you can deliver that, then you've done like 90% of the job. That extra little 10% is like, can you make this kind of special for me? And anything less than, than delivering I always find that like, yeah, this movie didn't just, it didn't quite live up to like what it was supposed to be. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it just didn't, it didn't quite do enough to be scary or to be thrilling or to be interesting or to be funny or whatever. It was just kind of, you know, it, it kind of fell flat. And you talked about this with, um, you know, you don't add enough novel. You don't add enough of that. Like it's just too much of the same it, it has a dullness and a blandness to it. Whereas like, I feel like, but if it's too spicy, it's too salty. It's too like something. It's like, it's just too much. It feels like it's, it's, it's just pushed on you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Whereas it needs to be this kind of like, like subtle thing. And I feel like that's where artists, like that's where they're like, when, if I'm going to kind of like, close my thoughts on just kind of where we've come to at least at this point is I feel like that's where the artist is coming in. You're coming in where you're adding that little bit of like seasoning to this. Mm -hmm. Don't try and reinvent the wheel. Like I, I think where you got to come in and you got to look at like, how do I give this a little flavor, not too much, but just enough to make it a little more captivating. Right. And I feel like the producers and the people, like if you're talking about film, like sites is where my mind is, then they're not being asked to take some monumental risk with the money of their financers and everything else. But you're adding to something where they have a strong, solid base and you can take it and bring it further. And that could be with anybody in, in the arts, right? That could be like with the writer, the director, the actors, the... I mean, if it's a painting or a musician or whatever it might be, right? Where you're mm -hmm. coming in and you're going like, 
you can identify where the familiar is, honor it, but then take it somewhere just a little bit further. I feel like that's the art of pure entertainment is like where you find that little, that little territory to take mm-hmm. the familiar into somewhere that's kind of fun, you know? Yeah. 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 That, that you can, you can bring your own voice to it. Like, you know, how yeah. would I, how would I do this? You know, yeah. that's a little bit different. What, what is something that I've always wanted to see done in something like this, you know, and, and just layering, yeah. Like just layering that those flavors in there uh, mm-hmm. as you go along. That's great. Let's talk beer and let's wrap this one up. I think. Sounds good, buddy. All, All right. right. I'll go first. Um, I'm going to, I'm having a, this is called Valhalla by Nelson Brewing. And it's a hazy pale ale, which, you know, I talk about a lot cause I like them. Um, yeah, this is a good one. It's, uh, yeah, it's solid. It's, um, but Valhalla, like you think it'd be the Viking thing, but it's actually like got a picture of a hiker, like climbing the mountain. Mm, um, the, I think that that's because there's a, there's a hike. There's a, a hike close to Nelson, uh, the Valhalla the, that they call like the Valhalla something. Right there, I think that's probably that's probably, that's probably it. Anyway, it's a good beer. It's a it's a nice solid beer, and uh, I'm I'm happy with it. I mean, it's hard to go wrong with a hazy pale ale, but uh, they did a good job on this one, so I'll give it the thumbs up. Great. I'm drinking La Maison from Four Winds Brewing in Delta, and it's a tropical ale with blackberry. Ooh, and you know what? It's I didn't really know how I felt about it when I at first, but uh, it's been growing on me as I've been drinking. There's a lot of flavors going on in there. It's kind of, it's kind of tart, but it's not really like a sour. Uh, it's it's almost got a bit of a smokiness to it, which is interesting. Uh, it's it's definitely you can taste the hops in there for sure. And at first I was like, I don't know if these flavors really come together. And I'm still not entirely sure whether they do either <laughs> at this moment in time, but I don't know. I, 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 it's, it's grown on me. I don't know if I would get it again, but it's, uh, it's an interesting one. It's an interesting yeah. one. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like, I mean, I mean, that's it sometimes with the craft brew is like you try some things out, you know, and that's part of the fun of it. The Whereas there's those, the novel, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's those go-tos where you, you know, you go to them. Like I've been having a lot of hazy pale ales recently, and they're like a go-to for me. They're they're kind of I know what to expect. It's a little bit different from each each brewery, but I'm basically feeling like I'm essentially getting the same thing mostly, and it delivers. You know, it's an interesting thing actually. We're talking about this because there is something about that, like. There's the beers where you're like, hey, I just want a good, solid, hazy pale ale, maybe, for example. But then there's those other times you're like, I want to try something really novel, really unique Mm -hmm. and really out there. And I'm probably only going to have one or maybe I'll just have a few, but then I'm going to be done with it. And that's why with craft breweries, those beers are often seasonal and they'll pass through and they'll be like, okay, and now we're trying this one and now we're trying that one. And for, for the beer drinkers out there who like craft brew... You know, I would say, you know, a lot of the people in the craft brew community, they go to their standards most of the time. And then we like to just have a little bit of, 
like, let me try something, you know, let me play a little today, you know, like, let me throw something interesting into the flight. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a, it's not a, like, that's my new drink. It's uh, a, this is what I'm trying this, this day or this week or this month. And then I'm going to move on, you know? And, and um, there's something about that that relates to this whole conversation as well. It's like, you know, it's uh, like just enough novel to keep it interesting, but not so much that, it's too much, right? You want a certain amount of consistency. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's yeah. all all your breweries. They have their flagships, like these these sort of beer standards. You know, you got your IPA, a pale ale, maybe like a lager of some kind. You know, you've you've got a few of those things that that are just in regular rotation. They're pretty dialed in, and it's like okay, yeah. IPA, let's do it. I want an IPA. Oh, you know what? Lager. I want a lager or a pilsner or whatever it is. And and it delivers on all those promises. And then yeah, every and then there's the stuff that's the limited run, the rotating tap, the seasonal contribution that like throws in some some different elements. And and sometimes you're like, yeah, I'm I'm I want to try something that's gonna give me I'm I'm coming in prepared for for something a little bit different, a little bit yeah. unexpected, and 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 I'm I, I've wrapped my head around that kind of a thing. So yeah, yeah. And I, I think also sometimes what's kind of fun about that is with craft breweries, just while we're on it, is they come up with a beer that they only plan to release for like the month or something, and once they're out, they're out. There's no more. And then people are like, oh, but I love this beer. Like, yeah. bring it back. And I feel like that's kind of, there's like, because there's an art to craft brewery, right? Like, that's the play. And that's, I think, where the brewer, you know, at least for me, if I was brewing beer, I would be like, oh, that's cool. I made one that people really connected with and want more of. Like, how 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 awesome. You know what I mean? And sometimes they do bring that beer back. Like, they're like, you know what? We're only planning on trying this out just to see how it would go. And then they're like, you know, it's such a hit. Let's bring it back again. And then there's certain breweries and I'm failing to think of any that I can remember at this moment, but they have certain brews that they did that with. And now they bring them back every year, but only at a certain time. And so people kind of go like, okay, it's that time. Like, let's go get that specific beer, you know, because it only comes out, you know, during the season. Right. Which is, I think is kind of cool. Right. It just, it, it, uh, creates an, an interesting appreciation and demand for that flavor. Yeah. Yeah. I think that this is probably the longest, the longest chat that we've had about beer in all of our many podcasts of having beers on the show. That's good. Yeah, I like it. I like it when it, when it fits in with the subject matter. That's great. Yeah. Well, let's, let's say some closing comments, <laughs> I suppose. Uh, okay. I mean, let's do it. Yeah. I, I, I don't really know if I can, succinctly you know touch on what the subject was you know like as far as the title of this episode goes and and that direction i don't know if i can say anything better than what i did you know somewhere in that 70 minute mark (laughs) of this episode but one thing that did because we talked a lot about film in this and you you mentioned just a few minutes ago about you know there's this applies across other other art forms and 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 disciplines and that sort of a thing and and that was something that I, I wanted to 
maybe open up a little bit, which is I was just thinking about music, right? As far as how music and, and this this balance between the familiar and the novel. And I was thinking, oh yeah, that's so interesting because you know, there's bands that come out and they become a big success. And it's a really tough I it's it's a really tough thing. I and I understand why for a lot of bands it's it's tough to if you if you're on top at a certain point to to stay in that position because you've got to deliver to the people who love your music the thing that made them fall in love with your music right like your sound whatever that sound was but at the same time you need to reinvent your sound a little bit too you we we need we don't want the same album that you put out before you know it's it's almost unfair expectation that's yeah. being, that's being put on and and it's a tough uh act to to put together and i was also thinking about how that's that's a reason why a lot of times bands will or uh, a member of the band or sometimes a couple members of a band will go and do their own their own thing outside of the band for a period of time because it's like look you know like I'll I'll take I'll take something like I I was thinking of like the Killers and Brandon Flowers but I'm also thinking of a band I love the Killers but uh, another band that I love is like the Black Keys and the lead singer guitarist Dan Auerbach he's put out a, a number of albums uh, solo, but he also has another band that I also love called the arcs. And those are, there's different sounds. Like there's still his stamp. You can tell because, you know, he's just, he has his own sort of voice that, that bleeds into whatever he does. But there's also this sense of, oh yeah, because that's on this record because that's not a black keys song. Right, that's not what the Black Keys are about. The Black Keys are about rock and fucking roll, right? Mm-hmm. Like you just like I want, I want just give me rock, just give me grit, just give me and and thundering drums and you know howling vocals. That's what I want. I want those elements from the Black Keys. And I think he's smart enough musically to know it's like okay, well, I want to do something more stripped down and whatever. It's like okay, maybe I'll release that on my own just as like as as Dan Auerbach I'm going to put put out a solo album. Oh, I want to do something really kind of like psychedelic and a little bit more weird and experimental. He does that with his with the Arcs, this other band that he he works with. So, you know, it's it's interesting how artists find find ways to do to to do different things, right? And to uh prepare your the audience for for things that are familiar and unfamiliar and and knowing when to do those things so i just wanted to throw that that out there in terms of of another way in which we can see this this thing work you know the 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 art of pure entertainment and this thing that it seems to really for me again come down to it it really does come down to this balance between and this ratio of familiar and the unfamiliar the the uh what the known and the and the novel so to speak so i've yeah. had a lot of fun man with this conversation i i i like this one 
Yeah, me too. This has been this has been an interesting one. Yeah, yeah I'm I'm in the same boat, man. It's hard because like I've I do feel like as far as what we set out to talk about, we kind of like we kind of have identified a lot of what we're trying to do here. And we're like this is an exploration, I think, for both of us. And I think we kind of got some clarity and uncovered a few things just about how to approach art. And I mean, a couple of things I'll just walk away with is just like, yeah, like have a little bit of um, trust in the familiar as though there is a certain amount of, of that, that just needs to be executed and delivered on. And it, you know, and to me, this conversation says there's not so much pressure to be new. Like there is pressure, but like, I feel like when you're, when you're starting out and you don't really know how things work, you feel like you got to kind of, you have to create something that just, you know, that stands out or whatever. And I, I think like sometimes like it's like a small percentage that really needs to be, you know, you need to kind of navigate the territory that's common, but then once you, once you have a handle on that, then take it somewhere a little bit interesting, you know? And I, I, I think like if you if you try to take it somewhere interesting without navigating the the expected territory, you do yourself a disservice. You actually undermine the creativity of your art. And I think that there's a intention behind art where you have to look at it and be like how much of this is like am I doing this because I think it'll work? And I think people will enjoy it. And how much am I doing it? Because I have found something that I enjoy about it. Because I think it's a really important element for the artist. I I think that you can kind of hear this conversation and be like, okay, like I kind of get it. Like now I know how to be a success. And I think you should avoid that thought process. I I do think that there's a certain amount of understanding about say an industry or how things work or what people want that you should be aware of. And I think you should definitely educate yourself on that. And I think knowing how to kind of deliver on whatever it is you're trying to do is an important skill to learn. But I don't think you should look at it like I'm going to figure this out and then I'm going to use this kind of strategy for success. I think you should be very careful about taking this conversation on that way. But I do think one other thing I'll mention is I would say, give yourself room to be playful with your art. Because that's, I think, the big thing I'll uh, I'll leave everything with. Because we covered a lot, man. We covered a lot. I think we covered like, okay, how do you like play in the unknown and you know, and deliver, but like, it's not something that you can control. It's just, you got to come at the, the familiar and then be playful. And I think what I'm going to try to do moving on from this conversation is to take things that I understand the, the territory, I understand the delivery, and then I'm going to play within that and, and see where I can bend it and flex it and push it and, you know, make it something a little bit kind of enjoyable for me, because I do think that if I can find that, it'll be enjoyable for someone else. 
Thank you for listening in on our conversation today. We hope you found something helpful that you can carry forward with you. Head over to our website, wayoftheartist.com, for more free exclusive material and learn about the show. If you haven't already, please support us by subscribing to the show, sharing it with people you know, and keeping compassionate, creative conversation going.